Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 96. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today we have the fourth degree black belt and the co founder of the Soul Fighters Jiu Jitsu Association, Bruno Tank Mendes. He talked about the early days training in Brazil and eventually his decision to move to the U.S. to restart his family's life. My takeaway from the interview came when we talked about staying in your comfort zone, which inspired me to title this episode, Don't Settle for Less Than You Deserve. Stick around for my final thoughts after the interview when I expand on my takeaway. Stay tuned right after Jiu-Jitsu Tribe's message. Oos. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Jiu-Jitsu Tribe, formerly Live Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu Tribe supports social projects who offer free Jiu-Jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to pay for their monthly expenses and facility makeovers. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donate all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. For more information, please visit www.jujitsutribe.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Bruno Mendes. Bruno is a fourth-degree black belt from Alvaro Mansur. Bruno is the co-founder of the Soul Fighters Jiu-Jitsu Association, along with his brother, Augusto Tanquinho Mendes, and currently the head coach of Soul Fighters Texas. He has trained over 20 athletes who have won world titles in his career as one of the top BJJ coaches in the world. Bruno, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Gustavo. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Uh, it's a pleasure. I'm uh, one of your listeners. I always check out podcast. This is on my uh, list of listens of the week. So it's a big pleasure to be here. Thanks, man. And tough times right now. We're recording this in April 2020, the coronavirus going on. So if, if anyone is listening this 10 years from now and say like, oh, yeah, I remember when that happened. <laughs> so how is that dynamic right now dealing with uh, that stuff? Man, it's, like you said, tough times. Tough times for all humankind, you know, around the world. It's everybody uh, going through that hard time together, you know. But I believe this gonna we're gonna overcome that, and we're gonna at the end of that we're gonna become better humans, uh, better society. So, but it's gonna be a hard time. So, but the dynamic is everybody's locked down, the world's locked down, businesses uh, closed, so barely functioning so but even in that time you can see opportunity and you can oh yeah self-grow and uh plan i think everybody can plan better yeah and one of the things i've been saying i've been doing some lives and talking with people it may sound like a broken record for some people that uh, kind of listen to me everywhere but two two key words that i'm keeping in mind is number one is acceptance it is what it is it is what it is Yes. I wish it was different, but it's not. So it is what it is. And the second one, man, it's actually 
gratitude because if anyone, all the listeners, you listen to this right now, you have a roof on, you know, under your head and you have uh, water and you have, you have a phone or have internet. I was listening to, I was watching the news in Brazil and then they showing around and asking some people, uh, saying that the importance of washing your hands and hand sanitizer and stuff like that. And they asked the lady, like, well, because here in some of the slums, the favelas, they don't, oh, they don't have soap. And then I said, do you have soap? And the lady was like, honey, we don't have water here. You know what I mean? So that's like four, she just opened the show, like, it's been four or five days. I have no water. So when stuff like that happened, it's just, just to remind us, like, yeah, it sucks. But, man, there's so many people in a, such a, like, worse position in 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 Brazil or South America, Central America, Africa, or every, every country has, you know, tough neighborhoods and, and areas, but the third world countries, man, they are big trouble right now. Big trouble. Yeah, I agree. And that was something I say to my students here, my friends, uh, people in general, they take for granted. So yeah. they don't, they don't have access to other things. Like we come from a, a country, uh, I didn't, I come from a good uh, family. I didn't have any trouble growing up. You know, we are not rich, but we are not like poor. So, but uh, we struggle. We come from a place with a lot of struggles. People don't have that here in general. So, so they take for granted for sure. People usually take for granted. Like you say, I'm I'm very thankful for all you say. Like I have a roof, I have uh, food, uh, I'm safe, you know, and more than that, I have the ability to, when that is over, to restart, to do something, and some people are not going to have that opportunity. Absolutely. So tell us, how was your beginning in jiu-jitsu? When, how old were you when you started? Uh, I think I was 13, 12 or 13, something like that, it was 95. So my, I have a brother and a sister from my father, my dad's first marriage. And my older brother, he did jiu-jitsu some long, long time ago, in a Carson Gracie in Copacabana. And uh, he always talk about jiu-jitsu. And, uh, my, and once you grow up in Rio de Janeiro, you have jiu-jitsu around you, doesn't matter how. Mm-hmm. So, and I was, uh, I always like fights. So, you know, I like, I like fight movies. I like play as a boy fighting so and i have a lot of energy you know so a lot of anger even anger also you know so i don't know why maybe <laughs> maybe a teenager thing but uh, uh i decided to do jiu-jitsu that's come from from my mind nobody like directed me so i just research and I, in tijuca we live in tijuca in the neighborhood uh where neighborhoods are uh, you are from Vila Isabel, you are from uh-huh. uh, Tijuca. Matter of fact, you know my dad. Yeah. <laughs> many, many, yeah, many years. Yeah. So in Tijuca at the time, uh, Kyoto was the, the most uh, famous school, especially for kids and teenagers and everything. So I researched, I did my research in, you know, not the internet time, just <laughs> asking around. And I find the school and I, I just enroll myself. Honestly, I pay my I pay my own membership, so nobody pay for me. So right on. That's that's how I start. So looking all these years, how do you feel now? Jiu-jitsu related life. 
That's a tough question because for me, it's very, it's impossible to separate jiu-jitsu from life because I knew it. At the moment I start jiu-jitsu, that's what I'm going to do for all my life. So I never had like a regular job, you know, a, a nine to five job uh, because I knew that jiu-jitsu would be something I would do for all my life. So for me, it's a lifestyle, it's a choice. I choose jiu-jitsu as my lifestyle and can be like everything I do in my life has jiu-jitsu. Oh, the, the way I take decisions, the way I deal with pressure, the way I, I, uh, I see life is through what jiu-jitsu teach me. And when did you have, when was the moment that you figured out, you know what, I think I want to pursue this. It was early as soon as you started or what do you think? I think it was like, I started, like I said, 13, 13, 14. I say around the 15, uh, I was very committed, you know, so I said, man, I want to do that all my life, you know. I, I did something, I I don't recommend that, and I hope you don't, my students don't do that, but like I skip school to be <laughs> on the training more. You know, I say I would go into the school, I was going to the train. Uh, I catch up school later, but, uh, that's why how I was so committed to 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 jiu-jitsu. So I knew it. I would do that. So even the days uh, I was not my training. I was like my class was like seven p.m. and uh, I was three o'clock. I was already in the gym helping my professor in the classes and everything and learning most I can about uh, not just classes but how a school works, how this do, how this that. So I, I use. I used to say like that was my university. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And how long um, how long did it take you to actually start teaching? Have your let's say have your own class? Uh, honestly, like uh, at seventeen, I was already leading classes. I was a juvenile blue belt, but uh, at the time, uh, Grandmaster Mansoor moved to US, so my professor. Alvaro, he was in charge of the Brazil school, the Kyoto in Tijuca, but he has his own school in Barra, it's another neighborhood. So he was only two days a week in the Tijuca school, and I got there all the days, so <laughs> I was what we had at the time. So I started to, to lead the classes, mostly like kids' class and everything, to uh, even the adults' class I started to, to lead. So that's, that's brought me a lot, of, uh, a lot of pressure, but I learned a lot in that period also. And when did you actually start like your own program out of Kyoto, right? When you start teaching your your own classes, what belt were you? Uh, I was already a black belt at the okay. time because um, uh, I teach in Kyoto for ten years. So oh, okay. I was a I was a assistant instructor, you know, instructor, and I became a professor and I became the head coach of the school also. So I went all to the I think so. In 2005, uh, at the time, like would, I decided to to change. I decided to change. I was not happy with jiu-jitsu uh, because you know to make a living in Brazil is very hard to jiu-jitsu. So I decided oh, I'm gonna take a break. Uh, so I decided to work with my dad. So that last maybe three months. Or two months because <laughs> I see that's not for me, you know. And uh, then I, I opened my own school, me and my brother, by the way, we opened school together. 
in Shizuoka. Right on. And how was the decision to move to the U.S.? So you, how long have you been here now? Uh, seven years now. Okay, good. So nice experience, good experience. So how was the process, the decision to come to a new place, new language, and even one, one thing that people don't realize, like basic things like how do you get ID or a social, what is a social security? What is credit? You know, yeah. basic, basic things that we just had no clue and just every day learning something new. Yeah. yeah. Uh, people don't have idea. And I would say like, um, even the Americans, they take for granted because mm -hmm. they don't know how to deal with all that and start from zero, like without nothing in a different country. It's very scary. So, well, I, I, I always want to move to U.S., you know, I always. And because, one, I believe the market's here. Uh, for professional purpose, you need to be here uh, to make a better living to my family. You know, I have a wife, I have a daughter. So... I was working so much in Brazil and having nothing, you know, you don't have a penny at the, main, at the end of the month, you paycheck to paycheck and you accumulate debt. So we decided, I decided to move here was 2013. I was always pushing forward, pushing forward because hey, I need to do that. I need to take care of the school. I need to do that for the students. But in some moments you need to put on the scale. Okay, now it's time. I can, I can just... I need to focus on myself and focus what's best for my family. So we move, we travel to here at the end of 2013. So, and I start teaching in Texas on January 14. So, and you've been here before, before, uh, no. just for like competition or culture, nothing, just, just straight no, up? Just straight up, wow. straight up, straight up. I was already speaking English because uh, I have some, uh, it's, it's easy for me to learn language. I never did an English course in my life, so the English I know is just because movies and speaking with people. So uh, I was already, at the time in Brazil, I went some, we had someone coming from another country to have class with me, with my brother, with all the athletes we had. Mm. I was the only one speaking English, so oh. <laughs> make make it easier to, to practice a little, but uh, for sure, my English got way better uh, since I moved to here. But, but I, I was already speaking a little more English. Good. So now, what did you say some of the struggles as an entrepreneur here in the U.S.? Um, before we're talking a little bit how it's definitely different. One of the things that uh, the entrepreneurs probably, like say, take for granted, the ability of to make stuff happen here in the U.S. is definitely more challenging than, than in Brazil. So what are some of the things that you you face some of the stroke and i want to say struggle doesn't have to be like something that man and i almost lost everything it's not that but it's for example one struggle that i mentioned was learning how to navigate through like um staff and situation like that in school that's something that was no new for me it was just a one-man show suddenly you you have one more person start hiring so being a a leader in a way but like running a business so things that you know i didn't have like a course or anything like that so what to say is some of the struggles that you had so, well first is understand the market because it's completely different so you need to to do your research know what you want understand how it works here because the advertising here 
you can have the best school in the world, but if you don't know how to market that, uh, you're gonna fail. So understand how you're gonna market here because it's different. It's different for you do a market uh, market for a school in Brazil than you do here. It's a different approach, different uh, tuition programs, different ways for for do any kind of way. So operational, the operation is different. So understand the operation was the, my first step. Uh, understanding the laws, you know, understand the taxes, understand how this can, uh, how I can use that to uh, plan the grow, uh, do all the financial things we need to do for, for, for make the school healthy. So once you understand that, you go along. But uh, one of the biggest, biggest things for us, like immigrants, for sure, is credit. Because you, you start from zero. You don't have a credit history. So it's very hard for you. I go to a bank and I can show the best business plan of the world. They're just going to say, no, I don't have a credit history. So to build uh, a health school without credit requires a lot of uh, commitment, a lot of discipline. And the same discipline you're going to use for win a tournament, that's become your tournament. You need, yeah. to, you need, to, you need to plan correctly, don't spend, and know what you expand, know how to hold project growth, you need to do that in like a scale you can like, you don't have too much room for mistakes. So that's, that was a big, big uh, thing I need to learn in time because I didn't have access to money. So, so now how, so now, cause you had two schools in Texas, right? Yes. Yeah. So now how do you handle not only that, the two schools, also family and running the association? The Soul Fighter Associations. Whole, how yeah. is balancing all that? I used to say uh, I work as executive, but I don't make the money of the executive. <laughs> <laughs> I always say that. Uh, first, I have good people around me. I have a very good staff. I have good people who I can lean on. I can uh, share that load. So the schools, uh, they run by themselves. Uh, I'm present, but they don't need to. The new one, I'm a little more present because it's, it's, we are not in a break-even point, so I'm a little hands-on, uh, and I didn't find a good manager for that position yet. But the other school, the Allen School, is perfect. It's running, it's growing. It's, uh, so the staff is something who, who make it easier. I have very yeah. professors. I have amazing instructors. I, pe I have people who go uh, beyond their duties. So, and that's something I... I looking for when I hire someone. I don't want someone who would just come for the paycheck. You know, I want someone who's gonna work as they own the place. So that's uh, uh, one of the characteristics I, I'm looking for for someone to work with me. And uh, these schools are, uh, I believe a lot in Jiu-Jitsu as an industry and as a business. And for me, the Jiu-Jitsu don't reach even 30% what we can reach as a business opportunity mm -hmm. so i think is a considering all the investments you can do as a business is a low investment with good margin profits so i use our schools to train my people for we open your locations and we do the association growth i know that today the association require 
bring more my attention to the association more than the schools. I can say maybe 50-50, but because we have a lot more new projects for the association, I'm a little more hands-on in the association side. So how many how many schools you guys have right now? Guys all over the globe. Yeah, yeah. My my brother say close to a hundred. I'm gonna say yes, we're close to a hundred. We had some uh breakfall on that because we had like a split on the mm -hmm. team some months ago. And uh I'm gonna say today we have around 80, 80 85 schools around the world, if if not a little less. Mm -hmm. Now, would you say that a habit that you have that helps you to navigate through all this, this the 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 all the affiliate schools, your schools, and affiliate schools tough because man, it's a lot of relationships. It to, is to keep, uh, uh, let's say, track of. It's it's a it's a difficult gig for sure. So, what is a habit that helps you navigating through all this? Well, I one I keep training. Training make me <laughs> feel balanced. I like training. Uh, even I'm not a great athlete. I never was. You know, I'm a competitive, but I was not a good athlete. I'm more a good professor than uh, athlete. I like to compete, but it's not my priority. So it's not something I take like for. I focus on competition. I'm gonna need to give up a lot of time on business, and I can't do that. So, but I'm competitive. So I like to train every day and I train hard. What I can, like mm -hmm. not, not as a professional athlete, but I train. That make me like balanced and focused. You know, I like to read. I'm always reading. I'm trying to learn new things, get updated what's happening. For that way I can take the best decisions and see what others are asking or requesting and I have the tools to give my best for them. So I'm gonna say it's a learning process. I try to keep myself healthy and uh, learning so that way make me uh, good habits to improve myself to be the best I can for someone. Um, before so recording we're just chatting a little bit and then we're expressing about your how you feel about sometimes when people have that idea of safety, right? That, uh, oh, I have this here. It's a great, uh, solid job. That, but at the end of the day, this the safety is is just not guaranteed. And no. of course, and but at the same time, not everyone is is born to be an entrepreneur in a way. I don't think entrepreneurs for everyone to so. When people, what what is your, what's the view that you share with people when they ask you about that, about that safety or the entrepreneurship? So, what's your view on it? Uh, like I say, I don't believe in safety. You know, you can plan, you can do anything, but always gonna have something. So you can be in a, a safe spot, but that's not gonna last forever. So you're gonna need to always be moving forward or being prepared for rainy days so saying that i always say to people don't don't accommodate don't try to ah i'm okay ah, this is this is enough and when i say zone, this, right exactly exactly when i say uh don't get satisfied with uh this is enough it's not about greedy it's not be greedy 
It's different. It's like I, I need more. I need more, not just, just because of financial or material things. No, you need more as a human. You need to be kept evolving. You need to keep pushing, for not just for you, but for create a better path for your children, create a better path for your family, create opportunity for people because we don't grow alone. You grow with people. You need to give opportunity to people to grow. So, and that's what I say to people. So, like you say, not everybody born to be an entrepreneur. Not, some people just born to be an employee, and that's okay. That's uh, uh, and as a leader and as an entrepreneur, I need to create tools for that person grow and have the best they can be. Not just the salary, but performance. Give opportunity for maybe they 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 find a way to okay. That's that's work for me. I, I can do more than that. Uh, when you talk about <clears throat> the comfort zone, there's one of the motivational speakers that passed years ago, Jim Rome. I really like him, his content, it's, it's incredible. And one thing he said, something I found fascinating was, uh, you should have the state of mind of being ambitious and content. And then he even said like, well, people say, wait a minute, how, how you can be satisfied with what you want, but still be ambitious? Like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you still can be like, man, I, I'm, I'm really happy where I'm at, what I've accomplished so far, but nothing prevents me for accomplish even more to provide a better life to your family. So finding the, and this is hard, the, when we stop to really reflect on this, being ambitious and content, it's a tough balance because a lot of people, sometimes they are ambitious, but not content with what is happening. They like just go, 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 but they're not satisfied with anything, but they're ambitious. Okay, if that works for them. But now to find this balance of like, man, I'm good. I'm happy, but I'm moving, but I'm doing, I'm exactly. still going after my stuff. And it's a, it's a tough balance to get, you know what I mean? It is, it is. And uh it's a daily process, honestly. Yeah. It's a daily process. It require require a lot of discipline and self self critique, you know, because you need to understand. No, I, I did that right. I'm good in a good sport, but I need to plan ahead. I need to to do a little more. I need to create that opportunity. If not for me, for someone else, you know. Uh, that's that's a I have because. If, I consider myself a self-made person. I have a lot. Of, I had a lot of help in my life, a mm -hmm. lot. I I had as a consequence of hard work. I put the work, I put the time, and people saw that and gave me opportunity. You know, so but I make things happen for me, and that's what I try to to do for someone. I always want to be for someone the person I never had. You know, so I try to. Maybe that's not the best. He that's that don't fit to me, but that's gonna be good for someone. That's gonna be a stream for for the team. Gonna I'm gonna need someone good on that position. Need someone good to do something in that position because it's impossible to do everything by myself, right? So I need to create ways to people show up or give opportunity to people to to do the best. Yeah, and uh, one guy that I listened to, Tim Ferriss. He, I learned something really cool with him talking about giving the chance to people make their mistakes too. You oh, know, give sure. give the opportunities to to them. And I remember him talking about he used to have a supplement company, and he would put a limit of like, okay, problems up to like a hundred dollars or one hundred fifty like orders or whatever. 
he said like don't even contact me take care of it you know exactly. and if it's something you know if the decision was good or, or was not good or whatever it's not the end of the world but give him the chance of you know messing Failure. up yeah so this is important uh to give because sometimes if now, if you know uh, the employer and you just kind of on and not expecting everything perfect, that can that there's going to be robots. Yeah, it would be, be some be robots. They're going to be robots. Just going to follow this, and you're not going to create leaders. You don't. You are. You are, I always say, if if your business rely just on you, you're just an employee. You're not the owner. You know, and your and when you die or when you get sick, this is going to finish. This is going to end with you. So you need to create a way for your school or your business, anything, have a legacy, go beyond you. And for that, you need to create leaders. You need to empower people. You need to give people uh, ways to, to, to lead. And the only way to learn that is through failure. Just the, that's the best way. And like you say, you have some things you can manage. Like I expect when I gave a project to someone for learning purpose, I already expect the failure. If they if they do good, they surprise me in a good way. But I already expect expect the failure because mm-hmm. I know this is gonna happen, you know? and that gives me ways to work with that person, show the way we need to be, adjust what they need to adjust, and uh, we're gonna create someone who's gonna be uh, better after that process. So when you look back. What are some of the best advice that you ever received? Something that pops up in your mind. It doesn't matter if it was in regarding to jujitsu, life, business. What do you think? The best advice, don't settle for less than you think you deserve. Uh, do your best. I know we, everybody hear that a lot. Oh, just do your best, but... What point you really doing your best? You know, for me, I always believe I can do more. I can not more in a way like more things, but I know I can do better. I know I can do better. I know how criticize I did my best here, so I need to improve. So I think it's do my best. Don't settle. Don't accept like things uh, the way it is. You know, sometimes it is what it is, but you need to okay. I need to learn more. I need to understand more. And I think the best one ever was, uh, I'm trying to put in English because it was in Portuguese. So I'm thinking Portuguese. Uh, don't accept, don't accept things like, you already have the no, you know? Life just gonna give you no anyway. So just keep pushing, keep finding a way to make things happen. When you mentioned about, uh, don't settle and just kind of uh, brought me a little bit when we were talking earlier. Don't settle and the importance of taking risks, you know, yes. they're, they're super important. But w- one thing that about taking risks, because a lot of people who are listening are in transition. Some people we do have, of course, this is not made for just for jujitsu school owners. Of course, there are a bunch of school owners that listen to it. And there are a lot of people who at one moment I was too a one-man show that, man, you do literally everything everything from cleaning the mat to all classes to answering the phone to, like, uh, everything. And then there is one point that is a critical point that you're going to have to take the risk 
and bring someone on board. And usually it's at during that time that, uh, okay, I'm doing okay right now financially, but not quite enough, not quite that good to bring someone on board. You know what I mean? So how was that process for you of like little by little bringing staff, you know, to your team? So, um, like I said, you need, as a leader, you need to take your risks every day. All your decisions are going to involve uh, less risk or more risk. Some type so, of risk, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So you need to be prepared for that. And when you accept that, you understand you the risk going to bring you maybe a very good profit or result, but also come with some loss or defeat. So we need to just be prepared for that. For me, I'm prepared for that. So that's I, the first thing I take in consideration. So I start to see, for me, is of course, if I can do it, I'm gonna find someone who can. And I know that's gonna cost me money, cost me uh, uh, trust, because you really need to trust your, your project and your baby to someone. And uh, you need to trust the vision that person is bringing. Because if I hire someone or bring someone to be a partner on something we are doing, uh, I'm bringing because they complement the vision yes. we don't have. So they bring the, the last tool, the last piece is missing. So if I knew it, I would do it. So if I bring someone, I need to trust the process, trust the vision, and try to understand. So something I do is through jiu-jitsu as a professor, we have access to a lot of different people. You know? So in my classes, I have doctors, I have executives, I have like uh, construction people, all the kind. So I always try to have a consulting with people who understand business or understand things I don't understand too much, you know? So I'm trying to use that time, that connection to make me better and use that to, okay, who are you referring to more? What, what you would do in that situation? So that way they point me in the right directions for I bring someone or study something to, to, to bring to, to your project. But the financial aspect is always the last piece for me, always. Of course, we go to the profit. We want to profit. We want to make like a steady uh, growth. But uh, as an entrepreneur, my vision is to the whole scenario. I know for I make money, I need to make people making money. So I'm going to try to pay well. I'm going to put the person uh, uh, happy on the, proje on the projects. They feel being taken care, they're doing something. So this is going to bring results for the, for the company. So if the person is in a that's, of course, you're not going to take, I'm not going to take from my family to take risks that way. Maybe if I was single, maybe, but mm -hmm. once you, you, you have uh, responsibilities, you need to find like the, 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 okay, this I can take risk. I can lose that uh, a little string here of money. I, I can lose that money. Not lose, invest in someone to, because I know this is in two years going to become something bigger. So that's, that's even one of the new projects we have for the team, for, for Soul Fighters, because I always believe as an athlete, like we have several people who's 
compete for us. And they decide to make jiu-jitsu as a living. And for me, it always was una, unacceptable someone compete for us for 10 years. And when they turn, they are not more like an adult or a world-class athlete. Hey, thank you. Bye-bye. Good luck for you. I think that's unacceptable. So we create a project inside Soul Fighters when we're preparing a career plan for all the athletes and professors. So this comes with like, uh, we're gonna pay for uh, extended school for them, like for they learn about management, marketing, this kind of thing, to prepare them for a transition for another different nice. uh, situation of their life. So this go to the youngs, to the oldest. So through the career, we're gonna prepare them to transit to athletes, to a professor, to a school owner. So that's what we're trying to do for them as a team, as an association, and also uh, give opportunity to people because that way, uh, if I can capacity people, I know we're going to grow. Yeah, and man, you start teaching and been training jiu-jitsu for a long time, and it's just interesting how the jiu-jitsu industry has evolved. So when I look back, um, when I started training, I was joking around with, I was doing a live with some of my students and then I was sharing with, I was interviewing uh, one of my black belts and it was just joking around that, I mean, when I started training uh, or even when I was teaching in U in US in the beginning, there is no like intro classes or, you know what I mean? You just <laughs> like put the gi, uh, what do you do? I just go in the ocean, swim with the sharks for a little bit. You know what exactly. I mean? <laughs> That's how, so this is, um, I think this is new for so many people because for so long, everyone, including myself, you, was, was just doing jujitsu as a hobby. I'm like, dude, this is awesome. I think I can get paid with this too. That would be incredible. So I think for many, many years, the jujitsu community had that kind of like hobby mentality and then getting paid like hobby. Fact. I still have them. Yeah. And then, but it has evolved. A lot yeah, of people has evolved to like, you know what? It, you got to look as a business. And here's the thing too. It's, it's so, so hard. I try to do a balance in the same way that, you know, I don't want to be completely 100% corporate, but I don't want to be a hippie too that, you know, <laughs> I need to eat, you know? So it's kind of finding uh, that balance. And I think internet has helped so much of bringing more information that people yes. can start to, learn more and we learn from the traditional martial arts they did a, yeah. gr a great job with taekwondo and karate they did a, a great job of structuring a lot of stuff and jujitsu started to pick up so when i see i've been in plenty like classes and seminars with traditional martial arts people there's some stuff that i'm like yeah it's not for me i don't like exactly. it you know there's yeah. some like huh i like that so it's just really it's like a salad we just start to pick up like whatever you you feel that a works for you for your values for your morals and it makes sense to your business and then we implement whatever you don't just put it aside and that's uh, uh one of the things i i always do uh several courses to the year like for business course and a lot of them was uh for traditional martial arts and something i learned and we implemented maybe four years ago in the alien school was the paid trial you know, the paid trial is something uh, I learned from the traditional martial arts uh, and they do it in a different way. I 
I like the idea because that way you uh, uh, your lead you bring better leads. If you just bring the free trial leads, people don't 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 understand what you're providing. You know, free. So the commitment is zero. Even people don't show up. They schedule and they show up. When you have a paid trial, uh, that guy that person already committed to pay. He pays something for you. So for you convert them to a, as a lead to a member is already easier because he's already commit money with you. So that make our leads way better. Your conversion rates was way higher. So that's why something I learned from the traditional martial arts in one of the courses we did. And uh, we put in most of our schools here, even in the association. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny that sometimes I have, uh, I've done a little bit of everything, just play around with all kinds of stuff. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and, but it's funny how some people, they go online and they fill out information, make an appointment online and all that stuff. And then sometimes I get a message at like 1 a.m., you know, and someone registered, they put a date, and then they, they, they just completely ghost. They, they don't exactly. answer their foreign texts, don't show up. And I just exactly. wonder, like, man, you got to be so bored that you're like, you know, I just going to fill out this information here. Oh, or you're drunk or something got tough and said, like, you know what? I'm going to do jiu-jitsu. I'm going to sign up right now. And the next thing they wake up like, uh, I don't know about that. And they, uh, <laughs> they don't show up. But this, this is normal. We do have a lot of uh, no shows to you. But I think this yeah. happens yeah, everywhere. I read the take average of five to six connections, contacts for the, the person start to reply. So we have a system here when uh, we do the first contact, if they ghost, we give a couple of days, we'll contact again. And to the point they say, please don't bother me anymore. Yeah. Because they feel the, the opt-in form. So, hey, you gave me information. So that's yeah, it. So my, my step felt bad too. Like, oh, I don't want to bother. Like, no, no, no. They contact us. Exactly. It wasn't a cold call. They contact no, us. They contact us. And, uh, and also is uh, even the, some people reply, some people not, but we keep the system and every two months we come back to everybody and we do the, the follow-up. Even for the people who never uh, reply, we always keep on sending the emails, sending the text because maybe, maybe, maybe you're going to have a cold uh, lead come back. You never know. Yeah, for sure. So what advice would you give to your younger self when you move to the U.S.? You start teaching here. Maybe something that, of course, there's a bunch of stuff. You'd have to come down, sit down, and and talk with your younger self. And it would take probably <laughs> hours of conversation. But if I had to pick one thing that you're like, man, if I knew this year earlier, not that you want anything different, of course. But what did you say, especially when you moved to the U.S.? I would say if you think gonna be hard, gonna be harder. Mm-hmm. So be 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 prepared because you you're gonna be you're gonna be testing several ways you never thought would be. Not just business wide, but to trust on people. People are gonna use you. People are gonna try to 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 put take you advantage. down, take advantage, and destroy things you you're working hard. Because one thing I know it's not people in general now uh, is they only see the shiny, you know. Mm-hmm. They only see when you win, when you're good, when you have results, when your school's getting students. 
but they don't see the hard time. They don't see when the when the lights are off, all the hard work you're doing. They just see. They they think you just go to the gym, you treat, you teach four classes a day, five classes a day, or twice a day, and you man, this guy just eat acai, use flip flops, and he's has a lot of money. People don't see like 80 hours a week of work behind the scenes, you know. So I would say to myself, do what you do. Don't change who you are. Things are going to be hard, but uh, at the end, uh, things work. Sure. So do you have, you said you have the, the habit of reading or audiobooks or stuff like that? Uh, I, I, I love reading podcasts also. So what is a book that stood out to you? Something that, of course, there's always like different topics and stuff, but a book that comes to your mind that made an impact on you? Measure What You Matters from Joe R. What's the name? Uh, mes measure What mm. Matters. Mm. Measure is what the matters. guy. Yeah. John Doerr. John Doerr. Okay. Uh, I read that book from time to time. He's the guy who invest, who was the first invest investment in who, got the, who do the first investment in Google. Mm. He brought the what the Google has the awkward is the optimization. You create a, a you have a goal, and the, he he teaching that book how you you become that goal reality. Yeah, like a roadmap for the. Yes, so I use that all my life, not just in business. So the time time I read that book a lot. So mm. I'm I'm reading again. So uh, nice. perfect. Gotta, gotta check it out. Yeah. So, so right now, usually at the end, I want to know about what's exciting, what's going on. Right now is a challenging time, but I mean, it doesn't mean that you're not doing exciting things. I mean, I've been super busy dude i've been you know <laughs> like, <laughs> some people were posting like i'm bored i'm like what are you guys doing <laughs> and you know like i'm busy i feel like i'm almost like busier than did before you know that's I mean? how i feel i'm keeping working <laughs> like maybe eight hours a week again but in different ways like i'm yeah same thing same thing adapting yes yeah so what do you got um Exciting going on, just plans, just putting some stuff together for the association. I mean, what do you got? Uh, right now, like, uh, I'm splitting my time on help the gyms because we are closed. So we're trying to figure out uh, the gyms open after that. So we're seeing all the, the financial and anything we can do for prepare for the next months. You know, at the same time, uh, I'm put some brainstorm and some research and create a different streams from the school, not based just in memberships, because that's a model was proven right now. If something happened, yeah. everybody go down. Yeah. So we are, I'm studying new products to offer to the schools in a way, even if you today, let's say the, the school is based on 80% memberships. There are these like seminars or, or gear. We need to create a way that go at least to 60-50%. And the other streams need to be something different. So that's something I put a lot of attention. And for the association, is uh, put all the projects we have in motion. 
you know, we have several already some projects motion, but others like kind of stationary, and by using that extra time at home in front of the computer to plan, review, plan better, bring people, work with people for make the like like I said, uh, one of the things we want is is to do that. Uh, career plan for the professors and athletes and that's going to be inside we are working we are we're going to prepare to launch our soul fighters foundation uh and that's one of the projects inside for the foundation we want to use the foundation to bring jiu-jitsu to people across the globe and use the foundation to bring a school uh, study to people because just through study and hard work you're gonna win your life and the jiu-jitsu is the perfect uh, way for you do that yeah so we're getting uh basically at the end of the interview so for all the listeners who are checking out for the first time usually i create a content at the end the final thoughts from five to twelve minutes where i create a content to inspire impacting in or improve your life in some way and so make sure that you check it out and also Man, during at this time, you know, especially people who like the Bjigemato Coach podcast or message, even though we talk more about entrepreneurship, I don't talk much about competition and stuff. Sometimes, you know, we do. But the idea of the Bjigemato Coach was to, yeah, uh, raise your emotional intelligence level, your emotional resilience level so you can perform better. And I always mention not just in competition, but mainly in life. That is the real test, the final test. The competition is just a tool to help us to grow, but the real test is now. And this is a great example that we're yes. going to be, we are being tested. All the things that we talk about in jiu-jitsu of feeling uncomfortable, feeling comfortable in uncomfortable situations and the resilience and all the stuff, that is happening right now and it's very real. And this is the moment to use the knowledge that you have, the experience that you you have with jujitsu competition or tough times, and say that this is uh, this you shall pass. You know, this will pass. So one day, I was thinking about this last night, man. When you least expect, maybe in about ten years, we're looking back in the Facebook stories, and then it's gonna pop up. You know, remember the quarantine thing? It's gonna, you know, it will pass. You It'll know, pass. Yeah, and hopefully, you know fast you know soon but uh it's just one of the challenges that this is the moment for you to be even feeling down surround yourself with a surround yourself that means keeping contact with positive people people that are moving on because uh i it's easy to be like uh depressed or anxious so you got to be really careful with your mental health during this time for sure, for sure, and uh, I agree with you. I, I use my social media just to post positive stuff. Before, when I was younger, I always post something. Like sometimes you you're feeling down, you do that. So, uh, I use my social media just to bring positivity to people. You know, because the world is already gonna bring a lot of bad stuff for you. So, like I say, you need to surround yourself as a positive possible people who encourage you. In a reality way, you know, not just like, hey, I can jump from the roof. No, you can't. Mm -hmm. But believe in your dreams, work hard, do something. People who are going to bring something positive to you in a matter, who are going to push you to achieve more. 
to become better, you know? And like you say, these hard times are gonna pass. It's a matter of time, you know? And I believe from time to time, each individual face a situation who gonna push him to become better. Yeah. And not just once, gonna happen several times to your lifetime. And that's one of the big, that's one of the big ones for humankind. So right now, you just need to focus on the future because we're gonna pass through that and the world gonna change. The world not gonna be the same again. You know, a lot of things gonna change. And I hope for better because the human being, he has that possibility, has that uh, potential to become better and do better things. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for your interview, man. I appreciate it, but Thank you. Thank you. It was my pleasure. I'm a big fan of your work, man. I think uh, not just for, in general, the podcast, like you say, is a BJJ mental coach, but way beyond that, I think you're doing amazing service, amazing work, and make amazing content. I'm a big fan, so it's a big pleasure to be here with you. Awesome. So for all the listeners, stick around for my final thoughts. Us. Us. Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with Bruno Tank Mendes. If you're listening just to the final thoughts on Instagram TV at Gustavo Dantas BJJ, Bruno is a fourth degree black belt, the co-founder of the Soul Fighters Jiu-Jitsu Association, along with his brother, the 2019 ADCC world champion Augusto Tanquinho Mendes, and currently owns and operates two academies in Texas. He talked about the early days training in Brazil and eventually his decision to move to the U.S. to restart his family's life. At one moment, we talk about professional safety, which doesn't exist because of many aspects that you have no control and the coronavirus is a current example. With that said, his message to you is don't settle for less than you deserve. Sometimes people confuse being ambitious and being greedy. They're not the same thing. Today, I'm going to share with you a nine-minute audio from the late motivational speaker, Jim Rome talking about ambition. Could I talk about ambition? For sure. I consider myself an ambitious person. However, Jim Rome is one of the best personal development teachers ever, and his message about ambition is incredible. Check it out. To a lot of people, ambition is kind of a mystery. The dictionary says it's an eager desire for distinction, power, or fame. But what does that really mean? Well, let's start with the word eager. All by itself, eager is kind of exciting. Kids are eager for their birthday parties. They expect to be the center of attention, get lots of presents, eat too much. I guess grown-ups are eager for birthdays too. Unless, of course, they're embarrassed that the number of candles on the cake outnumber their achievements. But we can be eager to see a ball game eager to see our kids in a dance recital, eager to see an old friend, eager to shop for a new car. Eager sounds like a lot of fun. But do you ever hear people say they are eager to live a better life, eager to have a better family, eager to make a lot of money? Probably not. And that's a problem. Because how I see it, living a better life, having a better family, and making a lot of money takes an eager desire. We have the remarkable ability to get exactly what we must have, but there is a difference between wishes and desires. We've all heard people say, oh, I wish I could just drop five pounds. 
I want to be a little lighter. And we've probably said it ourselves, especially after a big holiday dinner of turkey and homemade pie and every other thing we can possibly stuff ourselves with in one eight-hour period of time. And even though we may wish we could breathe a little easier in our clothing, we have to have the desire to exercise a little more and eat a little less. The I wish I could lose weight has to become, I have the eager desire to lose weight. I'm also sure you've heard people talk about wishing they had more money to pay the bills, or take a vacation, or just to take a little pressure off of life. But before their lifestyle can change, their wish needs to become a desire. If they really desired change, they wouldn't spend their evenings just watching TV and wishing they were doing something more. The backbone of an eager desire to change is discipline. True ambition is disciplined, eager desire. It's that little part within us that says, if I want to be ready for that meeting tomorrow, I need to finish preparing for it today. If I want to make sure I can pay for my kid's college education, I need to start saving today. If I want a better life tomorrow, I need to start working on it today. Ambition is a minute-by-minute, day-by-day mentality. To have the ambition to work towards a better family life, a newer car, a bigger house, a financially secure future, you have to live it every moment. If living a successful life was easy, I'm sure more people would be successful. If just being ambitious was enough, I'm sure all of the broke and perplexed people in the world wouldn't be broke and perplexed. While most people spend most of their lives struggling to earn a living, a much smaller number seem to have everything going their way. Instead of just earning a living, the smaller group is busily working at building and enjoying a fortune. Everything just seems to work out for them. And here sits the much larger group, wondering in awe on how life can be so unfair, complicated, and unjust. So what's the major difference between the little group with so much and the larger group with so little? Despite all the factors that affect our lives, like the kind of parents we have, the schools we attended, the part of the country we grew up in, none has as much potential power for doing good as the ability to dream. Dreams are a projection of the kind of life we want to lead. Dreams can drive you. Dreams can make you skip over obstacles. When we allow our dreams to pull us, they unleash a creative force that can overpower everything in our way. To unleash this power, though, your dreams must be well-defined. A fuzzy future has little pull power. Well-defined dreams are not fuzzy. Wishes are fuzzy. To really achieve your dreams, to really have your future plans pull you, your dreams must be vivid. If you've ever hiked a 14,000-foot peak in the Rocky Mountains, one thought has surely come to mind. How did the settlers of this country do it? How did they get from the East Coast to the West Coast? By foot. Carrying one day's supply of food and water is hard enough. Can you imagine hauling all of your worldly goods with you? Mile after mile, day after day, month after month? 
These people had dreams, big ones. They had ambition. They didn't focus on the hardship of getting up the mountain. In their minds, they were already on the other side. Their bodies just hadn't gotten them there yet. Despite all of their pains and struggles, births and deaths along the way, those who made it to the other side had a single vision, to reach the land of continuous sunshine and extraordinary wealth, to start over where anything was possible, where everything was possible. Their dreams were stronger than the obstacles in their way. You've got to be a dreamer. You've got to see the future finished in advance. You've got to see California while you're climbing 14,000-foot peaks. You've got to see the finish line while you're running the race. You've got to hear the cheers when you're in the middle of a monster project. And you've got to be willing to put yourself through the paces of doing the uncomfortable until it becomes comfortable. Because that's how you realize your dreams. Our great country was founded with dreams. They've always been important. Dreams are what caused thousands of people to leave their homes and families and start over in a land where anything was possible. To this day, dreams continue to bring people to our land of opportunity, to a country where you can start with little and end up with a lot, to America. Don't you sometimes wonder why so many immigrants who come to America can build a new life and a fortune while many of the people who were born here are barely surviving? They have a dream, a defined goal, ambition. Aside from the pioneers that crossed the prairies and the mountains to reach their vision of hope and future promises, there are other amazing examples of how ambition has shaped America. Take Ben Franklin, for instance. When most people think of Ben Franklin, they remember the kite and the lightning bolt and the discovery of electricity. What a lot of people may not know is that Ben Franklin was one of the first writers to address self-making. When Franklin started Poor Richard's Almanac in 1732, he used the blank spaces between the crop data and the weather information to insert clever bits of moral and practical advice. I'm sure you've heard the saying, fish and company start to stink in three days. Well, that was one of hundreds of Ben Franklin's comments on life. Another was, diligence is the mother of good luck. You know, it's amazing how hard-working, smart-working people have all the luck. We sometimes hear of a brand-new musical group, an overnight success. They must have been in the right place at the right time, knew the right people, had a friend to help them out. But if you've ever watched an interview with some of these folks, you'll probably hear that their overnight success took several years. Diligence is the mother of good luck. I hope you enjoyed the audio and you were able to reflect on your ambitions, goals, and dreams. I understand that right now, in April of 2020, life threw a curveball to the whole world. However, these two shall pass. Don't settle or give up on your ambitions. Learn to adapt. That's what we do in jiu-jitsu and in life. We adapt. In 10 years from now, you're going to be looking at your Facebook memory showing the coronavirus post, and you will reflect. It was tough, but I grew a lot from it. Now, my question to you is, are you ready to embrace this current challenge and continue to work on your ambitions? 
If yes, you already have been doing, keep it up. If not, it's not too late. When you wake up tomorrow morning, think of the question, what must I accomplish today to progress my life and get one step closer to my goal? That is it. Os. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.